Welcome to the Vying for Victory podcast, where we believe God heals people in the way that brings Him the most glory and brings us closest to Him. Whether you've received healing, you're in the fight of your life, or you gave up on God a long time ago, you are welcome here. As you come to the table, listen with an open mind, knowing everyone's journey is unique, but pain is our common language. Let's vie for victory, friends. Hello and welcome to the Vying for Victory podcast. This is our last day in the virtual book tour where we've been posting one speaker a day from the Spring Heal Retreat that we did virtually. So that's a little bit sad, but moving on, it is exciting because we are doing another virtual Heal Retreat. The Summer Heal will take place July 18th, and you can register for that at thehealretreat.com. We're super excited. We already have one under our belt, and we're making adjustments. We're going to have some breakout groups where you can talk to people and relate to them and build community so that you know you're not alone going through this. And this podcast is incredible. It's being fed individually, but this is even going to give you a further application and further ministry and further community. So please, please sign up for the next Heal Retreat. And the last speaker today is Becky Boone, which if you've been listening, she was actually on the Vying for Victory podcast in episode one. So she helped us launch this podcast. She has an incredible testimony with fibromyalgia, and she shares just what she's been going through currently and the hope that she's had amidst it all. So this is just an incredible story update, and I really believe it's going to minister to you today. So here is, once again, Becky Boone. I am so excited to be here and I'm excited everyone is on here. So I'm, I don't know half of you and that's exciting to me too. I love meeting new people. So I have to agree with Tara. Um, well, I guess I said it, pain is a common language, but so is quarantine. And so the fact that we're all on here and it's not like it's something that we're not used to doing by now, we're all used to being virtual. So this is fun. So I'll just jump right into it for time's sake. So a little bit about me. I do live in Bozeman here with Tara and Cole. Um, my husband retired from the Air Force, and that's how we ended up here. And we have two boys, both married and one granddaughter that live in different parts of the country. But um, yeah, we enjoy living here in Bozeman. It's very pretty. So I'll go into my hope journey, a little bit about my testimony, and then what I've gone through recently with pain and, and hope. And one thing about testimonies is they're constantly being written. So if we were to come together again later, I would hope that my story would be a little different. Um, it would be um, have something added to it and, and progression. And so this is just kind of where I am now. Um, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia about a year ago. Um, it's still pretty new to me and it's something that I'm learning, learning about and how best to live with it. I'm not ready to try medication. So I'm trying to do other things. Um, been like changing my diet and celebrate recovery and essential oils and other self-care protocols that improve the supportive qualities of my connective tissue system, which in turn gives me pain relief. And just, I don't have notes. I didn't get my butt in gear and get those to give to you, um, but um, my email is on there. So if you have any questions about anything I talk about, I would be happy to, to share with you any of that. So throughout this quarantine, I began suffering from depression and that progressively got worse each week. I've had depressing times in my life before, but never had it latch on like the past few weeks. 
And the thing with fibro is the flare-ups are triggered by stress, like physical stress, which is like physical injuries, like as simple as my horse stepping on my foot and falling, pushing myself in a workout, exertion on a hike, or even the cold. The cold can cause a flare-up um, for me. Um, mental stress, like long hours working on the computer or lack of sleep and emotional stress, like worry, sadness, holding things in and codependency. When, when you're stuck in a house in quarantine, sometimes that can happen. When a flare up happens to me, it looks like a few jo sore joints, like my knees, hips, ankles, elbows, wrists, to body-wide pain that radiates from every joint, joints I didn't know I had, every little finger joint, everything in my body, through the connecting bones and muscle in the form of Charlie horses, burning, aching, stabbing. Um, and a flare up for me, the pain is more intense when I'm not moving, if I'm sitting still, so I'll fidget a lot, and when I sleep and try to or try to sleep. So I, I dread going to bed, but if I don't get enough sleep, it causes pain. And so it's kind of this really dumb vicious cycle that goes on. So when Tara and I first talked about HEAL and the subject of hope, I was eager to share with you my hope and what I've learned about it and gained from it through my pain. The original retreat would have already happened by now and if we were to meet in person, um, which is going to be awesome when it does happen. I'm sure it will, but I'm actually grateful it didn't happen until now because the pain I've experienced in this quarantine and what I've learned through it has both changed and equipped me. I'm able to offer empathy, empathy on a different level and share with you about my experience of choosing hope, this hope which helps me get up in the mornings. So my hope comes down to two things for me, the location of it and the owner of my hope and the fact that I have to choose it. So I accepted Christ at a young age and I think I had the head knowledge of hope and what that means as a Christian. And I did have some experiences throughout my life where I had found the hope God offers. But it was more of a verb than a noun for me. It was something I reached for when I needed it, not something that was in me. And it wasn't until recently that I tangibly experienced God's hope in my life in a way that allowed me to know what it is to live in hope. I've learned that hope is a responsibility of my choice of accepting it. Um, my tendency is to go looking for hope. And sometimes I think I find it in people, places, things, even myself. But the truth is the hope I need is never hidden, buried, or unattainable. And I don't have the power to make it. All I have to do is accept it. And it's always in front of me. And although it sounds simple, and it really is, it's not an easy choice. And as Cole mentioned earlier in 1 Peter 5, 8, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. And there's this quote that I heard, and I don't remember who said it, but it was, the lion may roar, but I could see his leash. And I love that quote because the devil's not in charge. He's prowling because he has to search for an easy target to devour. He needs to do that, um, and he doesn't have the power to just do that without, you know, God has control over him. He does not have all the power. And the term sober, the term sober minded um, literally means free from intoxicating influence. And we think of intoxication as like, you know, drinking too much, but I can be intoxicated with a lot of things, pain and depression. I can, and it can be, I love to go to control and pride. Those are my top two default character defects. And so I can be intoxicated with pride even. And so I don't want to be an easy target. So even in the pain, I have to choose to focus my mind on God so it doesn't become under the control of a dangerous outside force and influence, which then makes me look like a tasty morsel. And I don't want that. 
So as I mentioned earlier, I became depressed over the last month um, during this quarantine. There were a lot of factors that led to the depression. My addiction to control, like I talked about, was the cause of spiraling deeper into it. I thought I could get myself out and I was trying to figure it out. So the other, uh, it wasn't the other day, I guess it's been, I lose time during this quarantine. It was probably about a week and a half ago. I had this horrible, horrible migraine and I woke up with it and nothing but pitch black and laying down was going to, like if I sat up, even in the dark, I would just throw up and it was just bad. And I don't get those that often, but that it was, and I have a lot of work to do. I work for our church and I had a lot of computer work to do and there was no way I was looking at a computer. And so I was pretty pissed off. And I remember laying there in bed and I wasn't tired. So I'm just first thing in the morning and it's just ridiculous. And so I'm laying there and I had just literally, in, when, I was, when I was writing notes, I didn't even realize that it was the day before I had found this app called Dwell, which it's really awesome. Like Dwell, like D-W-E-L-L, -L, look it up, get it, it's awesome. But basically it's all these scriptures and you can diff choose different translations. You can even choose the people talking to you. I think there's a guy from South Africa and then England and all these different um, full accents, but you can choose a Bible reading plan or you can choose like subjects like strength or determination or whatever. And the one I chose was wisdom. I don't know why. I think it had a picture of something on it. And so I just chose it so I could lay there and listen to it because it just reads you the scriptures and what it read, what it was, was one um, Psalm 139, and it's David crying out to God. And so I'm laying in bed in the dark, and I'm not going to read you the whole scripture because um, it's kind of long and short on time, but um, I encourage you guys to read it, Psalm 139. And so at the beginning, he says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit, when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways before a word is on my tongue you know it completely. You hem me in before and behind. You lay your hand on me and such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And he goes through saying like, where can I go that you aren't there? And how he, how God created him. And he knit me in my mother's womb and my frame is not hidden from you. And I was made in the secret place and your eyes saw my unformed body. And you know, like, you know, my day is like grains of sand. And at the end, he says, search me, God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. And there's more to it, but I just kind of went through some of the parts and, and I put it on repeat and it took like two minutes to, for it to go through. And so I just laid there and about probably about the third time through, my mind began trying to figure out, as I lay there in the dark listening to it, my mind began to try to figure out all the things that were overwhelming me and that were being enhanced by the, the pain. and which the worry about them increased the pain. So it was just like this cycle. And I remember thinking that I wanted to find a counselor. I've, and because of the situation with the quarantine, I knew it wouldn't happen right away. And I was in a place I'd never been before with the depression and I felt helpless and ill-equipped. And after listening to the Psalm 139 over and over, I began to have this urge to just talk about everything right there in the dark. And so I did, and I began chatting with God and I pictured him sitting at the end of my bed just listening. And I told him how it hurt, where it hurt, every detail of why I felt overwhelmed, how pissed off I was that I was not able to beat this depression um, as those scriptures continue to play over and over. And he began to draw my attention to them and lined them up with my concern. And this was just a really cool experience. And it's kind of one of those things you like have to be there to 
experience it, but I do want to share it with you. And so I began to hear the response in my head and it was so loud and so vivid and personal. It wasn't like an audible voice. It was just in my head, like as I was listening to the scriptures, these thoughts would come in my head to like match up with them. And so basically it said, Becky, I completely know you, what you will do, how you will do it and why you will do it. I know what you will say before you say it. None of your faults bother me. I protect you on all sides like a bubble and hold you still in comfort. There is nowhere you can wander that I cannot find you, even the darkest place you end up. You're not lost to me. The weight of it can't stay on you when you let me near. I created every part of you on purpose. From your bones that hold you up as well as each detail inside and out and how they work. I knew what each second of your life would look like, feel like, and sound like. See what I have ahead for you. Trust me. You are on my mind continuously, and I will protect you from whatever and whoever tries to push you into the dark. Let me have complete access to your heart. I know what amazing things it's capable of. Then I can calm your mind and show you what it is that is hurting you and lying to you. I can help you be free of it. I have an exciting plan for you. Choose to follow me and complete trust. So I, I just wrote it down so I wouldn't forget, but every time I read it, it's just pretty cool. So when I ended this conversation, I fell asleep. There wasn't much else I could do with my migraine. And when I woke up, my migraine was gone. And I knew I felt different and lighter somehow, but it wasn't until the next day I realized that my depression had completely lifted. And I remember thinking, sweet, I don't have to go find a counselor now. And then I realized that I had found a counselor and he was the perfect counselor. I would never find one better. And there's some verses that were brought to my attention um, or I found um, having to do with that. And one was part of Psalm 139, one through two, where it says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me, you know, when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. And basically he knows everything about me better than I do. So of course he'd be a good counselor. And then Isaiah nine, six says his name shall be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. This to me is a reflection of the kind of character Jesus has. Like he just cares about me like individually and he cares about you individually it's just crazy john 2 25 says he did not need any testimony about mankind for he knew what was in each person so he knows how to speak to me and reach me because he made me i need to say i know there are people that have chronic depression and have tried to be free of it and are completely full of faith and hope and are still under the weight of the depression and i'm in no way no way saying that being released or cured of your pain in any form is proof or based upon whether or not you have faith and how strong it is. Um, this is my story. So I will, you know, let me know who you are and I will continue to pray for you. As I continue to live in pain every day at some level with fibro, I'd be lying if I said that I didn't want God to take it away. And I often feel so useless when I'm in debilitating pain. But if God can use my circumstances to teach me and grow me into something useful for him, even in this state of pain and useful for him and his glory on earth, then I say I'm in. Then the next thing I want to talk about is having expectant hope. I learned that I needed that. So my choice for hope 
has no substance unless it follows and is fueled by faith. Romans 8, 18 through 25 says, for in this hope we are saved, for hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they have already, what they already have? That's talking about Jesus. We're saved through him and can have his hope, but we need to believe in him. And faith only in him is where complete freedom and strength is found. Faith that even when I can't see the other side of my circumstances, I can trust that his strength in me is greater than any enemy in any form that I can face. And although faith-filled hope may not take the fear or pain away, it can teach me to fight. But is my heart expectant of receiving his hope? Or am I allowing fear to drown out what I know about his goodness? The hope I found and accepted in Jesus that day um, when I had the migraine is not something I was able to do on my own. It came from what I know about him, that he is the God of fulfilled promises. And what seems to look like an accident or a hardship in my life will only look that way if I hold it up against the picture of the life I had planned, which if I'm honest, I'd want to be free of pain and sorrow. Kind of a really fun life. I can look at my fibro and depression as things that are happening to me, or I can look at them as they're happening for me. And some days I choose the former. And I sit in my little pain pit and I look down at the muck underneath me, but there's no such thing of an accident as an accident if we let God do the leading in our lives. And I have to be okay with knowing that there will be pain in my life. And by hanging on tightly to comfort, I'll lose out on what he has for me on the other side of my circumstances. God doesn't waste a hurt, and I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on what my pain will produce in me for him to use if I put my confidence in him instead of my circumstances, which I don't always do. Perseverance is another thing um, that, that's needed, and the dictionary reference says it's persistence in doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving success. Then Hebrews 12, 1 says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight in sin, which and sin, which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It sounds amazing, but I know it's not easy, and God does not offer a cookie-cutter hope. He knows you in a way that no one else possibly can, and his hope for you is a perfect fit for your circumstances, and it looks totally different than mine. God personalized my hope experience. He knew what I needed to happen for me in order to walk me, to have me walk away with a new understanding of his hope and a desire to live in hope and challenge others to do the same. And my challenge to you guys today, as you're searching for hope in your situation, whatever that may be, is to be purposeful in where you are looking and where your hope is coming from. Do you put your faith in God and trust who, trust he is who he says he is and wants only the best for you? If not, that's your first step. And I encourage you to reach out to someone like a friend or a pastor or even one of the speakers today to show you how and what that looks like to have the freedom found in trusting him. If you have already put your faith and believe in Jesus, then I encourage you to take the step of David's prayer in Psalm 139. The part where he says, well, the whole thing's cool, but the end where it says, search me, God, and know my heart. That's saying, give God access to your deepest secrets and pain. He says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Tell God every detail of your pain and stress. 
Don't hold anything back. He wants to hear it all. David says, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He can show you where you can change and adjust your thoughts, actions, and desires so you can follow him in hope as he leads you in the perfect path that he designed you to walk. Because it doesn't look like mine and it doesn't look like the person sitting next to you or anyone else you know. So I do have a couple questions and I'll put them in the comments as soon as I'm done. But the first one is, have I allowed the very things or am I allowing, let's say it that way, allowing the very things God wants to use to raise me up become the weight that is holding me down. So am I choosing to look at my pain and circumstances as opportunities instead of obstacles? And the second question is, am I searching for hope to give me the strength to carry worries that were not even mine to carry? And I do that a lot. Um, my pride gets in there. And an example of that is how I ended up with fibro in the first place. I remember the doctor asking me, like, well, have you had any, he was trying to figure out what was going on, and he's like, have you had any stress in your life recently, and I was like, well, last, well, it was earlier that year, I was like, well, yeah, we, we did have some things happen, and he asked me to go over them, and so I started listening them off, and it was our oldest um, son and his wife lost our first grandbaby, and then my husband's um, mom had a stroke, and then his younger sister, who was taking care of the mom with the stroke, died of an accident. And then my dad came down with four stage um, cancer. And there was something else and I can't remember what it was. But all those happened within like six months of each other. And so he just kind of looks over his glasses and he's like, okay. He's like, well, all of that is, is exactly what like sent you into this spiral. Because each one of those things on their own sucks and is stressful. But I never really had time to... I hate the term deal with something, deal with one before the next one came and it just like compiled and he said I was predisposed to, I don't know necessarily fibromyalgia, but predisposed, I do have an, an immune weakness and so he said, you know, your body just said screw it, I'm out, tapped out and so it responded with, with these flare-ups and so I guess that question, am I searching for hope to give me the strength to carry worries that were never mine to carry? Would I have still had fibro in that situation if I had actually given every piece of everything I could over to God? I don't know. Maybe because it's still just stressful. But there are things that I know now and I have to give them up as they come up or I do have a flare up. And so I didn't realize how much stuff I was hanging on to because I think I'm pretty cool and I can handle it all. That now any little thing that's going to stress me out, I have to give to God. I have to work it out with the person or whatever, or I will have a flare up. That makes me sometimes not be able to get out of bed. So those are the two questions I've got for you guys. And um, I thank you again. It went faster than I thought. I think I just talked fast, but um, thank you, Tara, for letting me be a part of it. And thanks to you guys for jumping on. And if you have questions, we can go ahead and go through that, I guess. But, and I'll put those questions in there. Thank you again to Becky. She is just always such an encouragement with her transparency and authenticity and vulnerability and just to her faithfulness to keep showing up and keep seeing the beauty in God meeting her exactly where she is each day. So I hope that encouraged you as well. 
And this was the last episode for the special heel retreats. You can sign up at theheelretreat.com to hear speakers like this July 18th. And then next week, we're going back on this podcast to our normal episodes, interviewing someone who has faced some physical trial, limitation, pain, or struggle through the lens of faith. So I'm excited. Subscribe, and we will see you here again on Monday.